and I haven't spent a lot of time on social media this week, David, but I can imagine what it was like, and I can imagine, I'm sure, August of 2021, when Luke Doty got hurt, and I came into that thing and talked about it's not all doom and gloom. I don't know, but I'd be willing to bet anything when, when a silent or a vocal minority of, of our fan base saw that Marshawn wasn't playing tonight. I'm sure it was doom and gloom and, and all that as well. And we got to get over, we got to get past that as a fan base, man. I mean, find some joy. And it was lovely last week, but we got some great kids that are fighting their butts off. And they all right. Hopefully that audio went through for y'all. I couldn't hear it because it was muted on my end. But anyway, this is the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb. This is Alan. We're reacting to South Carolina's 38-27 to win over Vanderbilt on Saturday and figured we kind of start there. So after the game, uh, Shane Beamer kind of talked about the doom and gloom surrounding the program. Even though, I mean, if you look at it, right, that's five of the last six were wins, um, but a pretty ugly win or a pretty ugly loss at home against Missouri in which the offense struggled, kind of um, brought out a bunch of naysayers. And and to be fair, I mean, if you get that win, you're probably in the top 20 right now going into this uh, final stretch and you're still sitting outside the top 25 because of that you loss. You the same record as Alabama. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's uh, – I, I don't know. What what did you think, Alan? Like, do you think that South Carolina fans were wrong to be doom and gloom after the Missouri win? Do you think that this win somehow flips that narrative? Uh, you know, should we all just find some joy? Are we, <laughs> um, are we being overly critical? I think you can – I think one of the things about just – he Beamer mentioned social media and just social media in general in 2022 nuance is kind of dead. Like you can hit both here. You can be happy. They won happy to go to a bowl game. That's not something to take for granted. Going to a bowl game two years in a row is difficult. I mean, we're seeing other schools Beamer mentioned. I mean, Texas a and three and six right now. Auburn is three and six getting to six wins is difficult in the sec. Um, but also, yeah, I can understand why fans are not completely satisfied right now. And I can also understand why if you've grown up watching South Carolina football for however many years, and you're more qualified to speak on that than I am, why you would have some doubt about things from time to time. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, I think South Carolina fans are hungry to get back to a place where they're competing on a national stage, uh, competing against the, the two teams in their backyard that have won national championships in the last five years. Um, and that is a tough hill to climb. So while it does feel like South Carolina is climbing the hill, I think, you know, there's sheer, there's uh, sure signs of progress throughout the program. Um, even if you don't win another game this season, uh, we talked before the season that the schedule was a lot more difficult this year than it was last year. And these six wins have felt a lot more legitimate than the like fluky, like, oh, you beat a floundering Auburn and a floundering Florida last year. Um, both of those are no longer the head coaches at those <laughs> institutions. Um, so, yeah, I think it, I mean, it feels different, it, a different six wins, even if that's all that you with. Now, I think if they lose the next three, the doom and gloom is going to be right back in full effect for sure. 
Yeah, I I don't. It kind of it's one of those things where like six and six is six and six, no matter how you cut it. But if you start three and six and rally to make a bowl, you feel a lot better than when you start six and three and then lose out to limp into a bowl, even though it's the same actual record. Yeah, and I remember there was a year under um, Steve Spurrier that they went six and zero oh or six and one. Oh seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah, and then lost like six straight to end of the season, and that definitely felt crappy, even though it's the the same record or whatever. Right. Um. So yeah, let's kind of start breaking down this game, uh, and we can still talk a little bit more about what the rest of the season looks like as a result, or what we can take away as a result. But um, we talked heading into this game about how maybe it would be good especially against an inferior opponent to have to build a game plan without Marshawn Lloyd at the center of it. Um, and it seems like they did that. Uh, it was still, you know, inconsistent here and there, but the numbers don't lie. You scored 30 points. You got 492 total yards. Um, most of that in the first half, most of those points in the first half too. Um, and you saw some creativity, right? You saw some to carry on joiner at quarterback. Uh, he threw a touchdown pass and, and that was, that was a nice moment because you saw like how different of a factor having him play that wildcat situation is than I don't know, a CBS or somebody else that they've thrown back there throughout times this year is he's got experience as an actual quarterback, right? So his initial read on that play wasn't there, but he checked it down, found out Antoine Wells. And then uh, after the Vandy defender fell down, Wells kind of did the rest. So you had that wrinkle, saw a lot of Jaheim Bell. He had the most carries uh, of any, Gamecock, even though there were seven different Gamecocks, I think, that had yep. carries on Saturday. Um, he didn't do anything crazy special, you know, like he didn't break 100 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but I, he was a consistent force there and was getting positive yardage on the early downs to kind of uh, help set things up. And then inevitably, tons of penalties would uh, put them back in a rough situation. So that was another thing that they were battling all night. But um, overall, I mean, you give offense a B, a B plus, you know, I honestly think you can, you can slide it into an A, a or, I mean, I get it. It's Vanderbilt's defense. The Vanderbilt's defense has given up yards to everybody. I wrote about that last week. Um, 38 points, just 38 points and almost 500 yards. It's almost 500 yards. Um, and I think the other thing is just something Shane said yesterday on the teleconference and he's right. Uh, only one turnover. And that's something South Carolina struggled with this year and Vanderbilt's whole kind of deal is they forced turnovers. I mean, they forced, I think, three or four at Missouri, and that kept them in that game, even though they didn't win. Um, when Vanderbilt keeps you close because they're getting turnovers in South Carolina, other than a fumble, I think on the last offensive snap of the game, that fourth down they went for, they were clean turnover-wise. Yeah, you, you have Rattler finally uh, almost fixing his touchdown-interception ratio in just one game. <laughs> <laughs> so he was five touchdowns and nine interceptions heading into this game. He gets three touchdowns and no interceptions in this game. So now he's at a more respectable, almost uh, one-to-one TD-to-interception ratio. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that the offense figured – what we've been talking about, right, is how one – when is the offense going to win every game? Pretty pretty much they won this one. Like yeah. the defense showed at times. Um, special teams obviously still played a factor in a positive way like it always does. Um, but, I mean, you can put this win on the offense's shoulders. Like Vandy scored 27. That's <laughs> – 
that could have beat you uh, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't like the defense dominated this game. Um, and the other thing that we've been talking about is just getting the ball to your playmakers in space. And that's something that they did pretty consistently all night. Saw Josh Van siding. Really good to see him uh, catch a touchdown after the sort of yeah, That was a wild catch. Yeah. yeah, I saw that someone asked him about whether or not he thought he might end up on the Moss. You got Moss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I was like, "Hey, he might get it two years in a row." It was it was pretty incredible. Pe- no, that was uh, yeah, incredible throw too from Rattle. And again, like it seems like he works better out of the pocket. Some of the throws he's made on the run this year are absolutely insane. And then when he's in the pocket and staring down a receiver, that's when you're like, "Wait, what was that throw?" Uh, it's kind of funny how that's worked throughout the year, but. Um, yeah, so where do you want to start? I mean, we just kind of rattled off a bunch of high points, but what do you like what what do you think can actually carry forward into these next three games, assuming Marshawn Luke comes back and is healthy? Like, do you go right back to just handing it to him 30 times a game? Do you try to build on some of this these wrinkles that you show showed here? Actually, I do want to start with the injuries too, because we have a few other updates. Uh Beamer said Lloyd, they're hoping he can go this week. Uh, he said he didn't do much in practice yesterday, but they're optimistic. He did not make the trip, by the way. He wasn't even in Nashville. Um, and also David Spaulding. Beamer kind of slid this in. We all kind of just noticed in the press box that he wasn't on the travel roster. Or they hadn't mentioned that during the week. David Spaulding is probably out for the year, Beamer said, with a foot injury. Um, that makes secondary really thin. We saw some real kind of mixing and matching in that game. We saw BJ Gibson. We saw Odala Fortune. Uh, BJ Gibson getting an MRI on his hamstring today, by the way. Keep an eye on that. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that's it for the injury updates. But I think what you can carry into this game or from this game and what you kind of mentioned is being creative on offense. Um, obviously, the joiner touchdown pass, but you also saw some different things. You saw some... A lot more of Jaheim Bell carrying the ball, obviously. You um, you saw some different kind of things over the middle. I think the touchdown pass, the second one to Wells, the one that at the end of the third quarter was kind of, we were calling for some more like crossing routes this week. That was right over the middle. Rattler stepped up and put a good throw on there. Um, I think, I don't know, you're probably not putting up 500. I mean, you may be good against Florida's defense, but um, I think you can take some creativity from this. Yeah, uh, you had some explosive plays finally too, right? We talked yes. about how the defense has had explosive plays throughout this year, which uh, they did still force some turnovers. They were so op- opportunistic. Um, they forced four turnovers, two of those in the first half, which led directly to 10 points. Um, and the special teams obviously had the explosive play with the fake field goal, um, which was awesome. Talk to Hemingway to getting some snaps at receiver. <laughs> hey, I mean, he's scored several two-point conversions already. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so on offense, South Carolina had 15 plays of 15 plus yards, including touchdowns of 29, 68, 17, and 50, 52 yards. Um, so we just, yeah, we saw a level of explosiveness from the offense that we haven't seen, at least in SEC play. I mean, we saw maybe a little bit of that against Charlotte and SEC State, but um, impressive performance overall. You could still argue that there were some consistency issues, especially in the second half. They couldn't get a lot going outside of the one touchdown drive. Um, they kept shooting themselves in the foot a bit with penalties that they were having to overcome. Um, but we we also saw like a key moment, which is something that we saw versus Texas A&M and uh, Kentucky, which is when Vanderbilt put pressure on this offense, they responded with a drive. So 
late in the third, early in the fourth. I can't remember exactly when it was. Uh, Vanderbilt got within 10, brought it 31 to 21. And then uh, South Carolina put together their best drive, 12 plays, 65 yards, uh, scored a touchdown. That kind of put the put it to bed, basically, put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, they, I wrote it a little bit too. My gamer in the first half, same thing. Vanderbilt cut it to 17 14, and the offense went down and scored to get it back to 10. Um, every time they needed a play in this game, they got one. I never, maybe you did, maybe South Carolina fans who are doom and gloom going back to our start did. I never had a feeling Vanderbilt was seriously going to push to win the game, at least after like the first quarter when it was 0 0. Like, I never got the sense they were in trouble, even though it probably looked closer on the scoreboard. Did you feel that? I mean, at least through most of the second half, I wasn't worried. I pretty confidently went ahead and started writing my story uh, <laughs> about halfway through the third or whatever and didn't feel like I was going to have to change too much. Um, you know, probably uh, wish that you played a little bit cleaner in the fourth quarter as far as penalties. You had the weird fumble. Um, you still gave up some some chunk plays to Mike Wright. And that is going to be... <laughs> a factor this week. I mean, Anthony Richardson's playing out of his mind the last three games and uh, South Carolina hasn't shown much of a propensity to slowing down running quarterbacks the last couple of weeks. Beamer, I can't remember the exact quote. It was basically like Anthony Richardson of Florida's watching this game and is probably very excited. Like he went out and said that Saturday night in the post game. Yeah. Florida has a running quarterback. Um, and we talked about it on the Thursday show, or I guess we did it Friday this week, but the pregame show this week about how, this was a game where Vanderbilt could find things with Mike Wright, even though AJ Swan's still their starter. He got knocked out hurt. Um, that there was still a way to kind of do things with their offense. And, you know, you look at the numbers and Mike Wright finished with 43 rushing yards on six attempts. Um, in some ways, you're almost lucky that Mike Wright only ran the ball six times because you're probably going to see more than six quarterback runs Saturday in Gainesville with Richardson. And if he's ripping off seven yards a chunk there, and then you're going to have issues. Yeah, you're definitely going to see that. And yeah, I mean, South Carolina just really struggled on defense all night against the run. Uh, you had Ray Davis, who had 20 carries for 167 yards. He was averaging 8.4 a carry. I honestly thought on a couple of different drives, Vanderbilt went away from him, and that's why the drive stalled. Um, there was one drive in particular where I think they got into the red zone and just like started passing it on first down after Davis had gotten them down there by just chunking off uh big run plays so i don't i don't know what <laughs> they were thinking there um but yeah and then like you said mike Wright also uh averaged 7.2 a carry so tough night uh against the run for south carolina's defense especially on the perimeter which is something we've been talking about pretty much all year it seemed like they'd cleaned things up a little against kentucky and AM, um especially against AM because a-chain can um hurt you on the perimeter um but yeah, it it just wasn't it wasn't coming together tonight. I think some of that probably has to do with the the safety problems um, as far as injuries, and that Spalding uh, injury is going to be a, a major factor. I think because I, I think South Carolina's best um, secondary package was when he was playing uh, safety and DQ was playing nickel. So how do you go about doing that now if Spalding's out for the year? Um... Where, I mean, I guess you're looking at Rush, Dial, Cam Smith are your three corners, DQ Smith at nickel, Eamon Worry and Gibson. Like, 
do you want BJ Gibson taking 70 snaps if you're South Carolina? Like, I don't really know what you You still have Reed, too, who I think was like banged up in this one, but they he was able to to play in a couple of emergency situations. So maybe another week gets him with his feet under him. I don't know. I still, I, I wonder if DQ Smith might be your best option at the other safety and then dial or, um, fortune at the nickel. I don't know. It's, it's tough. I, Spalding is, that's, that's going to hurt them. I mean, he missed a few games early in the season in which they were struggling, uh, against the, that, the print run and the, the screen game and stuff. And it seemed like it was a factor last night as well. Um, just because of the way that everyone else has to line up, not so much just him. Like, it's not like it's just him uh, making game-breaking plays, although he did do that some, right? He forced the fumble against uh, Kentucky on the first play and stuff. But, um, yeah, I think it's just the depth in general and the way that they have to align without him there um, does make a pretty big difference. I don't. Maybe maybe the move is <sighs> – Bam Martin Scott play. I think he's played a little bit of nickel, right? Like maybe that's a way you can. He was playing mostly linebacker when he was in the game on um, on Saturday, but there might be a way to kind of maneuver that um, to get Which some I guys. Like, I like him at nickel in obvious running situations, yeah. um, but I don't like him as much in coverage. So it just depends on how Florida is going to attack it. I, I'm going to be honest. I've watched a little of them. I watched probably the most of them that I've watched all season this past weekend. Um, but, but yeah, I mean. It seems like they're going to spread you out uh, and let Anthony Richard Richardson kind of play backyard football. And I think that that is a recipe for disaster for South Carolina's defense um, because they've, yeah, they, they're, they're struggling, especially on the edges in kind of setting that edge and keeping gap integrity and stuff. And yeah, it's, it could get ugly uh, at least defensively. I think South Carolina might be able to, keep up offensively though especially if you get lloyd back and you can kind of control the clock a little bit um not to get too much into florida we'll break that down later in the week and throughout the week on gamecockscoop.com but uh definitely interesting game defensively probably maybe their worst of the season considering the opponent also all i've again reading to florida all i would say for florida um this is the i don't want to say first time all year but this is one of the first times all year I've gone to a game expecting a shootout. Like, I don't know where the total's set at, but I would probably take the over. Like, I think South Carolina's going to have to score 30 points to win this game Saturday. Um, it's kind of my initial breakdown of things, just sitting here at 1230 on Monday before a 4 o'clock game on Saturday. But um, that's kind of how I would stack that up. They're going to have to go find a way to score points. And also, speaking of the offense, we haven't mentioned Christian Beal-Smith yet. Uh, a 52-yard touchdown run. Um, he was, other than Jaheim, getting a lot of carries in place of Lloyd. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you found something there, but he might have found something there, at least confidence-wise. Um, yeah. with that long run. I mean, it was kind of odd that he only got three carries, honestly, because one of those carries was a 52-yard run. Um, I, I get that they were trying to force feed Bell. Um, I said this in the rapid reaction, like. I don't mind getting Bell a few carries a game or whatever, but I don't think that he should be taking away carries, certainly from Marshawn Lloyd. And honestly, I think you could send some more Christian Bill Smith as like a true running back. From what I can tell, like Bell is an elite athlete. He's really hard to take down. 
but he doesn't have necessarily the vision that Boyd or even uh, well, he's not. Even though he's saying he played some of that in high school, um, he's not a true running back. He's a tight end, and Beamer had a ton of praise for him for switching positions in the middle of the week. Almost like he yeah. said he was in. Beamer said he was in Montario Hardesty's running back room this week instead of the tight end room. Like that's yeah. how they were planning to. I wasn't being critical of him. I mean, I thought yeah, it was no, impressive I what he what he did, but. Um, I do think that, yeah, maybe if Lloyd's out again, you see a little bit more Beal Smith. But I don't know. I mean, outside of that one run, his other two carries were not much, like one yard, two yards, whatever. Um, Jimmy McDowell, though, he was it five carries for him, I think. Like probably, I think I got it here, five for 48. Finally got him out on the edge, which is where he um, didn't try to run him up the middle in third and one again or whatever we were talking about last week. Um, Yeah, so I I mean, I think a, a nice mixture of all works well. I mean, if you would have told me pre-game Marshawn Lloyd doesn't play, but you still get 208 yards rushing as a team, I mean, you got to be pretty happy with that. For sure you do. Um, And also the reverses with going to the running game. There were four of those, I think. A couple to Leggett. Um, I can't remember who the other two off the top of my head. Brooks, again, yeah. He had the two against Kentucky and A&M. That feels like it's one of those things that should only work one time a game, but... It was working all the times this week, and maybe that's another weapon to get the running game going against Florida. Yeah, I, I think I posted during the live thread, like, has there been a time where that reverse call hasn't worked yet this season? It worked against Kentucky. So. It worked against Texas A&M. Uh, there was finally one in Vanderbilt game. I think it was, like, the fourth time they ran it. That it he got, oh, he, heard, got, like, tri- uh, yeah. he got tripped up. He, like, stumbled. Yeah. 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 Um, but still, I mean – what is that like seven times that they've run it and six times it's worked? That's not bad. I'm waiting um, for the end around there to just turn into like a double end around. Like the 12th yeah. time they run it, you're going to get maybe you line up to carry. I'm giving away state secrets now, but you line up to carry on joiner at wide receiver and Brooks takes the reverse, pitches it back to the carry on, and then maybe he throws it downfield like at a counter. Maybe they're setting up something else with this. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure. Um, also got a fleet flicker in this game. It didn't work. I but forgot about was, that. Uh, <laughs> the third and three fleet flicker. That was a weird yeah. one. Yeah. You asked about that in the live thread of like, what should you have done? And honestly, I didn't hate the call. I mean, it was bold for sure. Um, my only problem was it seemed like he only had the one option down the field, which, uh, he threw to, and it was double covered. Like it was a tough catch. Um, but it seems to me in that third and three situation, you have, a little outlet pass that you can dip it off to if the main big play read isn't there. And he didn't seem to have that, but uh, that's my only criticism of it. I didn't hate the call. I, hey, look as boring as we can get. Sometimes I prefer to get a little bit more creative if, if uh, it sometimes results in not a good play, whatever, but no, they call it every play in the book Saturday. That's pretty much what happened. And a lot more of them worked than didn't work. Um. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think we got to talk about Spencer Rattler. I think he probably played his best game of the season. He said as much post game. Um, you t- you mentioned his touchdown ratio a little bit, but he was again stepping up in the pocket. Um, a play I think a lot of people forgot about, but I think it's you have to shout out is the third and I think it was like third and twenty two after a penalty where he steps up in the pocket. No one's open. He runs it for seventeen yards. Set up fourth and five. You are then close enough to run a fake field goal. Um, Kai Kroger throws to Tonka Hemingway for a first down. That's not possible without the play by, by Rattler before it. You have to kick that field goal if it's fourth and 10 or whatever. 
Yeah, that was actually a huge um, play. It was funny when he got up that he got he thought he got the first down, and I was like, oh, <laughs> he was like five yards <laughs> short. Yeah, um, but I mean, maybe he thought it was still uh, fourth and ten or, or whatever. Because I think it was fourth and fifteen or seventeen or twenty-seven something. I don't know. They got into so many bad <laughs> uh, situations from holding calls and and whatever else, chippy personal fouls calls. Yeah, um, game got pretty chippy. Yeah. Before we move on from Rattler, because I do want to talk about the chippiness, uh, I just think that this is hilarious, right? So he went 16 for 23, threw three touchdowns, zero inter- interceptions, 70% completion rating, uh, or completion percentage. So his quarterback rating was a very solid 180.5, yet <laughs> he had the third uh, lowest, or the third highest, whatever. He finished third out of three uh, for quarterback rating on the team because DeCarrion Joyner. <laughs> Went three for four for 82 yards and a touchdown, which was a 329.7 rating. <laughs> then Kai Kroger went one for one <laughs> with for 16 yards, uh, which was a 23 point or 234.4 rating. So I just thought that that was funny. I mean, Rattler played a great game, but just the way that I'm the stats. I'm trying were. to remember another game I've ever covered. Even going back to when I was doing high schools and guys will go in and out all the time where five different players completed a pass because you had the three were South Carolina and then Wright and Swan both did for Vanderbilt. I don't think I've ever been to one of those. Yeah, it's uh, that's an interesting one. I saw that someone asked uh, Kai Kroger after the game. Maybe, oh, it was on Twitter. And they were like, is Kai, is Kai Kroger just a quarterback now? And he's like, honestly, I'm not sure at this point. You know, Because he, he's hey. also the one that's participating in the GameCocksCube.com. Right? He, yeah. he, I think he hit it again this week. Um, dude's got a arm. Yeah, so for those of you that are out of the loop on that, um, pregame, Kai Kroger, Luke Doty, Colton Gothier, some Spencer of the other, does it some weeks. Yeah, um, do a crossbar challenge where from like 40 yards out, 50 yards Ish, out, 40, 45, yeah. Um, they all try to hit the crossbar uh, through the back of the end zone before they head in, uh, for warm ups and. Uh, Alan actually did a in-depth interview with um, Kai Kroger, uh, Colton Gothier, and Luke Doty about their little their little challenge there. So yeah, go back and check that out. That was like two weeks ago on GameCocks.com. Yep. It aged well when you get Kai Kroger right here though. He's still got a perfect career passer rating at South Carolina. He's never thrown an incompletion. Honestly, some tough throws like in traffic too. It's not like they've been wide open. No, uh, that was a tough catch by Tonka. Um, the one against Georgia on the fake punt was kind of a seat over the middle. I think on fourth and nine. Yeah, um, but it was defended. I mean, he had to yeah. put it in. Like it was. Um, and then yeah, so special teams continue to be a factor. I think they're going to have to continue to be a factor in these final three games because um, you're going to be an underdog in all three. Um, I'm sure South Carolina f- fans were. Happy to see that Clemson got beat pretty bad on the road on Saturday, but they're still probably going to be fade. Um, you're down. You're an eight point underdog this week against Florida, and then obviously you'll be an underdog against Tennessee. Who fine loss, but they're still one of the top five ish. Yeah, you're talking about like struggles in the perimeter, and you watch Tennessee's offense basically line up receivers like standing on the sideline is one of the things they do. Um, it doesn't get any more perimeter than that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we should have a game I, time for that, like any minute now, by the way. Right. Yeah. So I think, um, South Carolina is going to continue to have to be creative on offense, continue to have to make some one or two game breaking plays on special teams and then be opportunistic on defense because 
all three of these next uh, three schools probably are going to rack up some yards, um, but you're going to have to continue to bend and not break, force field goals, force some turnovers, and score a lot of points over the next three weeks. Yeah, I said you're going to have to break 30 to beat Florida. I think we're in agreement. You're definitely going to have to do that to beat Tennessee. Maybe you can muddy it up at Clemson. I don't know. We can get to that Clemson week. But you're going to have to – this This is kind of the offense, if you're a South Carolina fan, you hope, ramping up for what's going to have to be a big last three weeks here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very quickly, if we preview Florida a little bit, it's in Gainesville at the Swamp, a place that South Carolina has won since 2014, which Carolina fans will remember is the night that Carolina got Willow Muschamp fired. <laughs> and then – looked across the sideline and we're like, yeah, <laughs> that's who we want as our next coach. Um, interesting. Uh, but yeah, so that's the last time that they won in Gainesville. Um, Florida, I think is kind of playing their best football of the season right now. I mean, I, obviously they played pretty well against Utah, but then went through a little lull there for a minute. Um, it's going to be tough. Uh, uh, we'll have a like much more, structured breakdown on Thursday when we come on here for the podcast and also throughout the week on gameclassgroup.com. But uh that eight point sounds about right to me as far as the line goes. Florida's five and four right now. Um so they're still playing for some they need a win to get bowl eligible or they do still um they do have to still have their game against Vanderbilt next week. So you would think they're gonna get the six one way or another. Um it's their senior day, last home game of the season for them. Um Florida's going to be very up for this coming off a big win on the road this week. Um, I'd expect, you know, this was, you asked me on Friday about the environment there. It's the weirdest place I've ever covered a game. There were 28,000 people. There were no tailgaters. There was, it felt like a high school game. It will not be that Saturday. That is a legitimately difficult road environment. South Carolina is going to have to deal with, um, oh, they're probably more stuff. They're probably more South Carolina fans in Vandy yeah. this year than Vandy. You, yeah. you look at the third downs and you see when Vanderbilt has the ball, it was, that was the loudest points of the game. <laughs> yeah so weird environment uh, i i thought that that was one more note from this game i thought the energy from the beginning was pretty good for south carolina was, after, for sure. after what we talked about with missouri them kind of seeming off from the word go um and even uh was it eric douglas mentioning did, that yeah. they kind of felt low energy throughout that yeah, one, some credit so. to darius rush there i don't think we've mentioned this yet he had a pick on the first drive of the game kind of set the tone early yeah, which that very much reminded me of Kentucky as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, same situation. So, um, yeah, that's they're just going to – it seems like from week to week, if they make a big play early on special teams, defense, whatever, uh, that they can kind of ride that momentum. And then against Mizzou, they just never got that spark from the from the word go. So, And you would uh, like we'll to think with a three-game stretch here of on the road in Gainesville – with a chance to beat your win total or beat your regular season win total from last year, Tennessee at home on senior day, and then your biggest rivalry game, energy won't be a problem from here on in. You would certainly think there's no more, there's no sleepy games left. There's no four o'clock Mizzou kickoff left. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and this game is really a, a moment to solidify your status as competing for that third spot in the SEC East right now. I mean, obviously the Mizzou loss didn't help you there, but uh, record-wise, you know, you beat that's Kentucky. That's where they are right now. They're yeah. tied for third with yeah. Kentucky, I think. Right, and you have that tiebreaker. So, um, 
that's that'd be huge for for this point in the Beamer era. I don't think that we talked about it last week. I don't think we've reached the the pinnacle or anything. Um, and that's a big stuff. You got a big opportunity on Saturday. I just think it's going to be a very very tough game for sure. It's a tough game, but it's let's let's be honest. It's the most winnable one left on the schedule in the regular season for sure. Um, I'm not saying they can't find a way against Tennessee or Clemson. It's college football. We all just watched LSU beat Bama. We watched Tennessee score 13 points. Um, but this is the most winnable one left. And I think I know I picked seven and five before the year. Uh, and seven and five probably involves winning this game. Yeah, that's sounds about right. Uh, quick bowl update. Um, ESPN released their bowl projections today. And the two highest likelihood at the moment were the Vegas Bowl, which is what I am hoping <laughs> hoping for. Uh, Gamecock scoop it takes on Vegas. Um, and oh then, God. yeah, that'd be so fun. Had uh, late enough nights in Nashville Friday and Saturday. <laughs> and then the Gator Bowl was the other thing I saw. That's which, significantly less interesting to be. Yeah, it's Jacksonville in there in a long, long. Who are the opponents there? They have listed just out of curiosity. Uh, for the Vegas Bowl, it was Washington. Um, That'd be fun. That would be Some Michael Penix Jr. And then for the Gator Bowl was FSU, which I think would also be fun. And, would, and South yeah, Carolina I, fans either of those would be interesting games. Yeah, I think South Carolina fans want revenge for the Marcus Lattimore game in what was that 2010, where he got knocked out on like the first drive, and then Florida State kind of had their way from there. But yeah, I think either of those are interesting. I'm still. Other than Vegas, I'm kind of rooting for the Liberty Bowl. I'd like to go to Memphis. You get a Big 12 opponent there, maybe Kansas. I know you've got a Kansas friend. Kansas got bar eligible over the weekend. Um, I'm looking at Brett McMurphy's now. Here's an interesting one. The Action Network, Brett McMurphy, has South Carolina in the Texas Bowl, which is in Houston, against Oklahoma. We get a a Shane Beamer Bowl. That would be cool, and I might travel up for that one, too. Houston, yeah. Short short flight for me. Yeah. yeah, there's some I, options I, here, but you can start looking at them now if you're a South Carolina fan. You got six on the board. Or you go back to Music City, you know. On New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. All right, so definitely go check out GameCocksCoop.com. We have oh, a couple. Wait. Yo, go ahead. Well, you want to throw in some basketball stuff before we uh, get out of here? We got women's basketball opener tonight and the men's opener tomorrow. Yeah, so big week. Uh, men's ba- or both basketball teams getting started. We'll have coverage on GameCocksGroup.com for those. And then Friday, men play Clemson, right? Men play Clemson Friday night. Yeah, what are you looking for Like out of either of these? I mean, the women, it kind of speaks for itself. They're going to be incredible. They're We kind of know what the deal is there, even though, of course, you still want to see it in action in an actual game. Um, Men's-wise, what are you looking for in the first actual game of the Lamont-Paris era tomorrow night against South Carolina State? Uh, you got to win that one. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to see Gigi Jackson uh, in action for the first time. I mean, I know you saw him uh, at the exhibition the other week, but I I didn't, I haven't seen him yet. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm interested to see... If Michi Johnson can uh, really truly run the point as both a scorer and distributor of the ball, like he did um, in the exhibitions last week, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that you're going to garner too much until Friday against Clemson, but I'm interested just to to see what this team looks like. It's very, very different than last year's team. (laughs) 
That it is, and I will I will be at both games this week. I'll be at CLA tonight for Rings Night, by the way. They're getting rings and raising a banner before the game, the women. And then I'll be back tomorrow night for the men's, and we'll be back here Thursday, I guess, yep. talking Florida football and probably the first two basketball games. Yep. And talking some more recruiting. Oh, I just put in a future cast last Ooh. week. Yeah. Uh, so Elijah Davis, who is the JUCO D lineman who took his official visit to South Carolina for the Missouri game, um, based off what I'm hearing, I feel confident enough to put that in. I don't think it's over yet, um, but I, I, I expect him to make his decision pretty soon, probably sometime in November. Uh, and I feel good about where South Carolina stands. So that's just a quick rec- recruiting note. We'll have more of that on Thursday as well. But yeah, GamecocksGroup.com. Uh, come hang out in the live thread for women's basketball tonight, for men's basketball tomorrow, uh, and check out all the cool features we have on reviewing the Vandy game and previewing Florida later in the week. Oh, it's South Carolina women's soccer, SEC champs yesterday. I didn't oh, yeah. watch any of that. I was driving back from Nashville. I just know they won. And the NCAA selection show is today. Yeah, congrats to uh, the women's soccer team. Um, all right, until Thursday, this has been Caleb and Allen from the GamecockScoop.com podcast. See you.